0: Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson and Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to another episode of Building the Cooperative Classroom. This is Adam Rotech. With me as always is Derek Swisdeck, hey, and Aaron Fleming. Buenas noches. Buenas noches a ti. So this is the final of our mini series on the essential elements of cooperative learning. Can you believe we made it to our final three episodes of our rundown of all the essential elements? Derek, Aaron, what do you guys think? Did you think we would get to this point?
1: No, long before now, I figured it was over. It was, uh, this was going to be a pipe dream here.
2: I was always riding the cooperative train. I, I knew it would make it down the track.
0: What? Like Aaron, I knew this would be a cooperative effort, so we sink or swim together, and because we're together, I knew that you guys would, would be here with me. So like I said, this is our fifth essential element. We've worked through positive interdependence, individual accountability, group processing, social skills, and now we're at face-to-face interaction. So as always, we start our mini-series with a little discussion of the theory and research behind um, behind the element. And so today we'll talk a little bit about face-to-face interaction. Um, I pulled an article, 2008, by Shoval at a university in Israel. Face-to-face interaction is a little tricky because I don't think it's been studied outright as an individual topic within cooperative learning. But this study is called Using Mindful Movement in Cooperative Learning While Learning About Angles. So it had that math bend, which I thought Derek would, Derek would uh, uh, definitely appreciate. We specifically were looking at in this article was kinesthetic awareness and how different sort of spatial movement aspects of, uh, of the learning environment impacted learning. In a variety of learning activities, the researchers looked at physical contact with the studied environment, visual and kinesthetic modeling, socio-kinesthetic interaction, sustaining movement aided by learning activity and non-learning behaviors. And what the researcher found was that learning improved when those mindful movements, when students were aware of what they were doing and how they were doing it um, in relation to their peers, when when they did those things, they were were learning more in this case about uh, angles in a geometry class. So I thought that this was especially relevant In our sort of COVID, post-COVID, coming out of all things remote learning, if we think about students that have been, I'll say, robbed of face-to-face interactions, robbed of that eye contact, you know, as much as I know teachers have been working their tails off trying to make sure that students are having those purposeful movements in relation to each other, We had about a year there where our only interaction with a number of students was via a screen. In addition, I know probably all of you out there, just like the three of us, have struggled even to get those students to turn their cameras on and to engage in what substitutes for for a face-to-face interaction on a camera. So this this article really kind of uh, spoke to me because it talked about purposeful movements in getting students to increase their learning that now that we are starting to be able to have students back in classrooms and students work together, that what is the benefit to having students physically present? Why do we want to have those students in the room? And it's not enough to just say, well, it's easier to have a dialogue. It's easier to talk. I think it's really important to to figure out how do we want to arrange students? Um, What is the optimal way to get students to interact with each other and to use the space so that if I've got group A in this corner and group B in that corner. Where do I position myself as the teacher to ensure that those groups of students can interact with each other um, within their own groups or within or uh, between groups? So I don't know, Derek, Aaron, what, what are your thoughts on um, sort of the benefits of physical space and uh, really being purposeful in designing those learning spaces as we come out of Uh, all things, uh, remote learning.
1: Yeah, this is actually a really interesting study. Um, but no, this is a really interesting study. And I think that as we come out, you know, we talk about the environmental interdependence and, and really we want students to feel as though they own that space and they own that environment. So I think it's really important that, you know, you set a tone pretty early on as to how, you want kids to interact with one another and how you want them to interact with the teacher and how you want them to interact with themselves too. And, you know, setting up your classroom in a way that kids know like, oh, this is one of those spaces where I am going to have to participate and be an active learner. And that that's going to mean a variety of things. Um, it's going to mean taking notes. Sometimes it's going to mean, you know, taking some assessments, but it's, it's going to mean a lot of times that we're going to be cooperative and we're going to talk through like why we would want that skill. Why would we want to incorporate those kinds of skills? But, but these face-to-face interactions and really practicing it and modeling it and, and getting that can really help people feel more comfortable in their own skin, um, especially as they uh, learn to trust one another and learn to trust themselves too.
2: And uh, Derek, I like how you you mentioned the um, the interdependence factor, that identity interdependence. Um, I think that's important. So often when I when I process with my students, uh, even towards the end of the year, and I say, "What did you like most about the physical arrangement of the classroom?" They they really like that they are the center of attention. They like that they're not they, they don't feel as robotic in the rows the rows aren't pointing at, you know, there are no rows pointing at a board. That's the the center of attention or a screen. That's the center of attention. They know right from the first day when they walk in, when those desks are grouped into either pairs or uh, pods of three, they are the focal point, their conversations and their interactions that face-to-face interaction. And, you know, to, to, to your point, Adam, we are going to really need to spend some time in the fall of 2021 to really reteach, of course, you know, all these, you know, all the social skills I think that quite frankly have eroded a little bit over the past, uh, year plus, but this knee to knee eye to eye face to face interaction will be so important, you know, for us in our assessment of learning, but for, for students, their assessment of how, you know, their groups are doing and, um, putting the focus back on those interactions.
1: And as, and as, a, as a, an educator, as a teacher, right? Like for me, it's always been about, so if you've ever been in Aaron's room and probably many of you haven't, um, it's very much, he's got some tables and some desks that he they can move around quite a bit. He's got a couch in there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different environments and it's a very quick setup. Um, I'm a science teacher. We've got a lab space and that's non-movable. And then I, uh, 12 years ago, I don't know, 14 years ago, we got some circle tables in there and we've got some chairs around a circle table. And it's like a, it's like a little Starbucks kind of atmosphere. Um, as you come in, there's some tables and you're sitting across from somebody and there are groups of three and, and those tables don't really move. And, you know, it, from a selfish point of view, it really forces me to not be the center of attention, even though there is very clearly a board, there is very clearly lab benches. There are very clear spaces. Um, You know, whenever I share a room with somebody, they always are like, sometimes, sometimes people struggle a little bit with that. They're like, Oh, it's really hard to get them to focus and, and to not talk. And I'm like, yeah, it, it, that, yeah, we want them to talk. (laughs) Like for me, that's, that's always what I want them to do is to engage and to speak and, and to, to work together on, on a whiteboard or on, you know, on a project together and to have those possibilities um, to interact. And part of that too, I think to remember is that in the interactions sometimes are not gonna be perfect interactions. And that's an opportunity for some conversation as well. Um, the more that we practice that, the more that when they're outside of the classroom, they're gonna engage in some really tough dialogues with one another and they're going to know when it's an appropriate time to trust and when it's appropriate time not to trust their um, partners as well. So I think those are all really good skills that we can leave kids with.
0: And, and I think it's especially powerful, because you talked about you know, the classroom being a little bit noisy, um, you've got students facing each other, that students are the, the focal point of the classroom. So it's especially important to remember, the research does tell us that students learn better in this environment. The, the old notions of students sitting in rows and, and quiet students are happy students, you know, quiet students mean you have a well-managed classroom. Hopefully those are out the window, but I know that the, that persists in pockets. And the more that we can get the word out and show that it's not just because it feels more natural and the students are happier, but the research and the evidence shows that students are going to learn more. They're going to be more confident in their skills. They're going to be more confident in um, being able to demonstrate those skills, whether it's through a written test or in some sort of oral presentation or a or, uh, or project that the students will be much more, the students will be much more apt to, to be dynamic in um, showing mastery. And the more that we can get that word out and the more that we can show, having students look at each other, having students talk to each other, having students not just work side by side, to actually have students engaging with each other in that knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye, um environment is beneficial.
1: And and this is really the first start, right? Like this step even though we talk about it being the last step here, it really is the start, right? Like it's a mindset shift as to how you're going to set up your classroom and how you're going to have kids positioned in such a way that you want them to talk to each other and you want them to have these interactions with each other. But if that's all you do is just start there and you're not thinking about those other elements, it, it's gonna be tougher. If those kids don't already have some social skills, if they're not already pretty far along on this. Um, that's why sometimes it works really well with some for some communities and it doesn't work well for other classroom communities. But there is a path and to Adam's point, there is a path towards better achievement. So not only are we acquiring these skills that we all agree are really important life skills later on, but we're also acquiring the ability to learn faster and better.
0: Well, and with that, we're, we're moving dangerously into implementation territory, which is in fact, episode two of our mini series. So I'm gonna put a pin in this discussion and wrap it up here so that we can have a little teaser for our audience. Um, I think uh, we will get back at it in our second episode, which will come at you soon. Until then, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is... Copyrighted under the Creative Commons License. Copyright 2021. Theme music courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.